Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. You have a Bible open up to Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Philippians chapter 3. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. We are going to be not in, I'm in Jeremiah, that's not going to work. Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Last week we considered the attributes of biblical confidence, where Paul reminded us to put no confidence in the flesh, right? We can't be, uh, we can't be saved by anything that we do. He's talking about salvation. Put no confidence in the flesh. He was dealing with uh, this, this false teaching of these Judaizers that were coming in saying, hey, you know, uh, you, can be, you need to be baptized, or you need to be circumcised, and you need to follow the law if you want to be saved. It's great to have Jesus, but you've got to make sure you do these things, right? And, of course, Paul counteracts that when he says, no, it's, it's by grace through faith that you're saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so he reminds us in Philippians chapter 3 of that idea that we can't put any confidence in what we're doing. However, as we turn, he turns a corner here, in, chap- in chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, and he talks about really what works should be like in our, in, our, in our lives as believers. You know, that there should be works present in our lives, that God created us for good works, that, you know, he, he, he thought of these things be- from before the foundation of the world. He organized them so that you could, you could perform them, so that you could do them, but not as a means of salvation, but these are things that you're, God's going to use in your life and the life of other people to draw people to himself, to draw you to himself. And so works play a role in our life. Like we're not saved and now we're just waiting for Jesus to come back to get us. We should be doing something. Should be doing something with what we've been given. And so he, he talks about really in, in, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, he, he uses this analogy of this, these accounting terms, speaking of profit and loss and speaking about the idea that the law uh, can bring nothing but loss in your life, but the profit comes through Christ, right? So if you want a black line, on the, you know, spiritually speaking, you need Jesus. If you want an, a, a, a red line, you know, a red number at the bottom of your tally, then you just keep doing what you're doing. Just work out your salvation, you know, as if you can work your way to God. It will be a negative to your account. You can't do it. Paul turns, again, as, you, as we move on here in verses 12 through 16, he starts to use an athletic analogy, and he loved to use athletic analogies. And so he, he begins to speak to us about discipline and about, you know, pressing on, about, about striving forward, about putting some effort into your walk. And so with that preface, stand with me, and we're going to read Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12 where Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature, think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Attained, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for just revealing yourself to us continually. Lord, we thank you that no matter how many years we've walked with you, no matter how well we know your word, you have something 
new to share with us today. You want to speak into our lives. And yet the one thing that will hinder that is us. Will you prepare our heart, Lord? Will you remove any hardness of heart? Will you take off the things that are deafening us, Lord, blinding us from what you want us to see this morning? May we stand before you with an earnest desire to hear from you this morning. Will you speak to us? We know you will. But may we be not only hearers, but listeners this morning, intently on your word. Come by your Holy Spirit and speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, part, part the way through worship when communion, uh, the elements came down, it's like, uh-oh, it's getting real in here this morning, man. We're going to partake of communion. All of a sudden, worship took to another level there. But no, I'm just kidding. But... Um, how many of you have ever failed at something knowing that it, were, it was a result of your lack of effort? You ever done something or it could have been, you know, it might, it might have been a sporting event, an academic test. It might have been, you know, a promotion at work or a personal embitterment goal, something like that. But you knew if you had just put a little bit more work into it, a little bit more effort, you would have easily attained it, but you didn't. Listen, there are many things we face in life that are totally attainable if we put the right amount of effort into it, right? Well, one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid was uh, this movie called Vision Quest. Anybody know, heard of that movie? It came out in about 1985, so that's pretty sweet. Some of you don't, weren't even born then. That's okay. But listen, it's a great, great story. Not only does it have great music in it, because it was 1985, but also it has a great message. The idea is this kid is 18 years old. He doesn't feel like he's ever done anything in his life yet. He is, he's a wrestler, and he wants to, like, make his mark, right? So, so he decides to drop two weight classes and take on this three-time state champion that has never been beaten. His name is Brian Shute, right? And so, so everybody in, on his team thinks he's crazy, Everybody around him thinks he's crazy, but he set this goal. And people are telling him, you can't do it. There's no way that you can do it. You know, and, and along the road, you know, he gets mixed up with this lady. And, of course, that's why coaches say never date when you're in sports because they mess you up, you know. But, uh, but and the, he, he ends up getting sidetracked for a minute. He gets distracted with love. He gets distracted with a relationship. She kind of understanding what his goal was just bolts on him without saying a word. So now he puts his sights back on the goal. And it comes to the final sort of act in the movie. He's on the mat with this guy. He's a monster. He's huge. He's going to wrestle the, this guy, and he's trained himself. He's put the effort into it. He makes the weight, cutting from 190 to 168. And he gets on the mat. He's doing well. They're tied up, going into the final round. It's 27 seconds left, and he's down by four points. The coach pulls him over to the side, and he said, listen, have you come here to do what you've, have you, have you done what you've come here to do? He said, no, not yet. And he said, well, you better do it, boy. You have to stick him if you want to win. That's code for pinning him, right, which is 
cool, I think. But, but he, gets, he gets on the mat. He takes the, child, he takes the, the, the guy, and they, they wrestle around for a few seconds, and he hip tosses the guy, gets him in a position, and in the final seconds, boom, he pinned him. He had accomplished his goal. And what's inspiring about that is that that can happen in your life if you put the right amount of effort into it. Spiritually speaking, folks, we are already positionally standing in victory. Amen? Like we're not trying to get it. Oh, man, I got to run out there and I got to get victory. How can I get victory? You have victory. Why aren't we experiencing that in our lives? Because we aren't putting the effort into our walk with the Lord like we ought to to experience that victory. That's what Paul wants us to understand here. He's talked to us about how to get saved. Now he wants to talk to us about how to live a victorious life. He's going to talk to us this morning about pressing on in the faith. It's going to require a little bit of work. It's going to require a little bit of spiritual sweat, not for the sake of salvation, but for the sake of sanctification. That process, what God is refining you and, 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 and he's stripping away the things of the flesh and he is building you up with the things of the Spirit of God. But that takes work. It's not something that just comes naturally once you are born again. You just get, you know, all of, this, all of these fruits. It's something as a result of, really, it's honestly, it's, it's a result of abiding in Christ. It's a result of knowing Christ of putting your effort into to making sure that you know him and that you, know, that you know him in a real way, not in a religious way, not in a theological way, but in a personal way that you were in relationship with Jesus. It's totally different for you to speak about somebody than, that you have no relationship with than to speak about somebody that you have relationship with. I can tell you a lot of awesome things about my wife. Why? Because... I'm in relationship with her. I know her intimately. But I can't tell you a whole bunch about LeBron James, except for some t- statistics that, you know, I don't even know, which I can't tell you right now. The point is that you need to be in, if you're in relationship with Jesus, you ought not be speaking about him. You ought to be speaking from that personal relationship with him. And that's what Paul wants us to understand in our passage this morning. We have to ask ourselves, uh, you know, uh, a question. It's a tough question. But he- here's the question. Are you failing in your Christian walk because of the amount of effort you're putting into it? Are you really growing in the Lord? That's the question this morning. Where am I at, God? Am I growing have I become stagnant in my walk with the Lord? You know, how, am I going backwards? Am I re- digressing? It's a tough question, but it's a, a question that we have to ask ourselves. This text will make you ask yourself that question this morning. But here's the good news. That the reality is that you can find victory no matter what it is in your life. You can find victory. I don't care how big the mountain is. You can climb it in Jesus' name. You can get through it. You can. God has listened to what Peter said in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory 
and excellence. You see, we have power, folks. It's not a power problem. We have power. We have Holy Spirit power. What's the problem? It's lack of effort. We aren't learning how to walk in that power. We aren't putting the effort into, you know, letting loose that power that God has put within us. When we're intentional about seeking God, living out our life to, to please Him and Him alone, you will find that power. When you make Him your aim, when you make it about Him, you will find power from on high that will take you beyond what anything you think was attainable. But if you put minimum efforts into something, you will get minimum results. Even in the Christian walk, folks, you might go to heaven, and that's great. But here's the thing, is what did you do while you were here? What did you do with Jesus? How did you live your life? Paul wants to exhort us as the body of Christ to live every day for Jesus Christ, to live your life with everything that you have, to press on until he calls you home. That's the title of my message this morning. That phrase, press on, means to strive energetically for some purpose, to strive toward a goal, to press on with the purpose of. What are we pressing on towards? What's your goal? Paul says it ought to be the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. That is the, the crux of the passage, folks. That is this, the, in, this, in these four verses, that is the verse that he's getting to. He's, he's rounding everything to that place that we would live for the prize in the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. There's six prerequisites we find in our text this morning that are required if we want to press on. Firstly, to press on requires proper perception. Proper perception. Look at the first part of verse 12 there. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul wants us to understand that he has not arrived. He wants you and I, the, the Apostle Paul, many of you would call him the man, I would call him the man, he's the man. This dude wrote 13 books in the New Testament, maybe 14. God used him tremendously. God used him to sort of open up the gospel to the Gentiles. Like God used this guy in a massive way. And yet, look, look how he, he has the correct perception. I have, not, I have not obtained that place where I have arrived spiritually. I'm still a person in the making. I'm still being refined. God is still doing great things in my life. I am not perfect. But that is his goal. That is his goal. Paul set a goal in chapter 3, verse 10. This is the way that he lived his life. He he lived his life for this purpose, that I may know him, speaking of Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. Jesus' life, or Paul's life, was totally focused on knowing Jesus Christ to the fullest extent that he can, and therefore receiving the power and the understanding that there is something greater coming, the, the resurrection. How did this guy live the life that he lived? How did he do what 
what he did, he kept this in mind always. He kept his focus on knowing Christ. Knowing Christ and what? Making him known. That's our mission statement as a church. To know Christ and to make him known. Paul lived his life in that way. It was all about Christ. He didn't get sidetracked with his own plan. Not that he didn't fail. But he did not make his life about himself. Now, granted, <laughs> if Jesus blinded you and, and, and gave you a vision and spoke into your life that way, perhaps you would live that way too. But listen, even though he works differently in our lives, the, the reality is he saved your soul. He died for you. Is that not enough? He's calling you to live by faith. And so we, got, we need to make our lives about Christ. Paul knew the only way that he could be effective in his ministry was to continue to know Christ, to continue to know Christ. I, I have to strive to continue to, to know him, to grow in my relationship with the Lord. Kind of our premise this year, to grow, to know Christ more. Why? So that we can go into the world, so that we can do what he's calling us to do, so that we can give the way that we're called to give. To grow, go, give. That's, that's kind of our, our motto here at the church this year. Grow, go, give. And as I've been saying, you, you, you won't do the last two in a real way if you're not doing the first. You will get sidetracked. Your life will become about you rather than Jesus. You will not live sacrificially. You will not follow him like you ought to. You got to grow. We all got to grow. And then we can go and give in the proper manner. Paul offered his life up as a drink offering. He said, I pour myself. When he gets to the end of his life, he said, man, I've been poured out like a drink offering. The drink offering was the, 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 the kind of the blessing offering that they would pour on the sacrifice after it was on the altar. Jesus is the sacrifice. I'm the drink offering. I've been poured out, he said. I gave my life up for the Lord. And he said to Timothy, he said, I ran my race well. I ran my race well. Why did he run well? Because he did not make his life about himself, and he did not depend on himself. Listen, if you want to win spiritually, don't make your life about yourself, and do not rely on your own power. That's the key. Paul, Paul is telling these guys, listen, you got to keep the proper perspe per perception here. You have not, you have not arrived. I don't care how long you've walked with Jesus. You have not arrived yet. You cannot know Jesus enough, folks. You know that? Like every ounce of effort that you put into getting to know Jesus is worth it. And it's going to be beneficial in your life. Like it, it's never going to return void. It's never going to be one of those things that like, man, that was a real waste of time. Unless you're doing it out of religion and not out of relationship with Christ. It is a waste of time then. But if you're in right relationship with God and you are knowing Christ for the right reason, man, it will be incredibly fruitful in your life. It will be beneficial to you. The driving force between, behind Paul's pursuit was the perception regarding his spiritual state. Listen, Paul needed Jesus as desperately in this moment as he did the very first time he got saved. 
the very first moment he got saved. He needed Jesus as desperately. The question to you this morning is, is that you? Do you need Jesus as desperately right now as you did the, the moment you called upon him for salvation? Listen, if you have not, you do not have the right perception. If you think that you have attained some level of spirituality, then, then, then you're deceived. The Apostle Paul says we got to grow. we got to keep growing. There are only two directions in the spiritual life, folks. Forwards and backwards. There is no I'm standing my ground. You're either going forward or you're going backward. If you're not growing, guess what? You're going backward. You're going backward. Jesus didn't say, hey, you can ascend to this, to, to midway, you know, let just like you, you, you're, you're going to climb Everest. You go to base camp. He said, just get to base camp. You'll be good. No, no. If you get to base camp and spiritually speaking, you're going to, and you try and stay there, you're just going to slither backwards. It's the way it works. There are only two directions, forward and backward. And Paul said, I want to stay in that forward state. I want to stay in that, uh, that pursuant state. I want to stay in that place of knowing that I have not arrived spiritually and I need to grow. So if you want to press on, the first thing you need to understand is you have to have the correct perception about your spiritual state. You're not where you need to be. You may be better than you were, but you're not where you could be if you put some effort into your walk with the Lord. Paul goes on to tell us pressing on not only requires proper perception, but also proper dedication. Look at the rest of verse 12 there. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Notice the word but here. Paul knows that he has not uh, obtained the surpassing worth of knowing Christ fully, nor, nor has he obtained sinless perfection, but that word means nevertheless. Even though I have not done that, what does he say? I am going to press on. I'm going to put some effort into my walk. I am going to energetically pursue Christ with all of all that I have. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. That's, that means he's going to be dedicated to a cause. He's going to be dedicated to the cause of Christ. Proper perception reveals our need to grow, and now we have a choice to make. What will I do? Will I attempt to stay the same, or will I choose to uh, go forward with the Lord? If you choose to go forward, you need to be dedicated to that. You dedicate yourself to growing in the Lord, to knowing him more and more every day. Paul's making a conscious decision to press on. In other words, folks, this is not going to happen unless he chooses to do this. Right? Like, you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and go, man, I feel so much more spiritual than I did yesterday. It's amazing, you know? I just took this magic pill and whatever. Whatever, I drank this holy water. I don't know what you did, but listen, it's, it was not, it's not going to yield that in your life. It takes work, like anything. Not much either. Just a little effort, just a little bit of, of dedication to doing this, and you can, you're going you're gonna to transform your life. It's amazing. You might not obtain spiritual perfection. It's okay. Listen, you, but that doesn't mean you ought not shoot for it. 
Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, he said this, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What is the goal? Perfection. Well, nobody can get there. You can in Christ. And I'm not talking about the doctrine of sinless perfection either. I'm not, the idea that, you know, the more you walk with the Lord that you can somehow come to this place in this state, being in the flesh of being perfect, not sinning. There are people that believe that. John tells us, if we say that we have no sin, we lie. We're liars. Right? The Bible speaks about that. But, but here's the thing is, perfection is, is, is the, that's, that's the goal. And we should pursue that to the very best of our ability. We should give it our all. We should do what we can. Uh, you know, and, and again, it's not about, it's not so much about you putting rules and regulations into your life. It's about relationship with Jesus. The more you know him, the more you will be like him. Right? You want to be successful in your spiritual walk? You need to be dedicated. Just like you would in your physical life, right? How many of you um, know that the best way to become successful is surround yourself with successful people? Is that a, that a good principle, a good worldly principle that we go, okay, I, if I want to be successful in whatever art or craft I want to be successful in, I need to be around people that are successful in that. And, and, and as I hang out with those people, I start to become like those people, right? And you're, you're learning from them. You're receiving things from them. And you're going, okay, I'm going to apply this in my life. And you start to apply it, and what happens? You become better. If that works on the horizontal, do you not think that would work on the vertical? The more time that you spend with Jesus, that you would become more like Jesus? You'd become more uh, spiritually successful in your walk? It's true. Yes, we will never be perfect in this life. But again, that is the goal. And we ought to, we ought to do everything that we can to live, that, live like that. Spend time with Jesus. And he will make up the difference. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, he said, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the, uh, the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of all acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you want to be successful in your walk. And he was surrounded by the right people. He was being discipled by Paul. Not only do you have to be surrounded by the right people, you have to be dedicated. You have to be training. You have to be in training. You have to put some effort into it. You need to toil and strive for godliness. Paul said it this way, I beat myself, my body into submission. I mean, you know that feeling. That's not fun. But it is beneficial. You beat your, 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 the flesh, you know, the flesh wants to come out. It wants, it wants what it wants, but you have to beat it up. And you beat it up through the Spirit of God. In the power of God, not in your own power, you will fail. But you, you beat it up with the Spirit. Paul is, Paul is saying, listen, you want to you be successful spiritually. You want to press on. It's going to require dedication. 
How many of you believe that you could become the next Spurgeon or Wesley? How many of you believe that you could become the, the next R.A. Torrey, A.W. Tozer, D.L. Moody? Do you believe it's po that that's possible? Do you think that you, you have what it takes to become one of these people? Do you have the Spirit of God in you? Then you have what it takes. Here's what I'm saying to you is that there are pillars in the faith that we look at and go, man, God must have just an incredible anointing on their life. They were just made for something great. You were made for something great. You are made for something great, and if you will unveil yourself through the power of God through the Holy Spirit, you will become something great. I'm not saying that God will put you on a platform and use you in, you know, in front of thousands and thousands of people, but before heaven, folks, you will gain a reward because of you allowing the Holy Spirit power in your life to, to, to live the life that God's calling you to live. You are made for something great. The question is, are you getting there? Your spiritual genetic blueprint is far beyond what you're allowing yourself to see it as. The only difference between Spurgeon and you is that he spent a lot of time with Jesus and he let the power of God work through his life. That's the only difference, folks. He was not a special man. He just allowed God to work through his life. What can God do with you? If you, if you dedicate yourself to him like this. Thirdly, Paul tells us we want to press on. It requires proper concentration. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul's using a runner's analogy here, and he's, he's saying, listen, if you're a runner, you know that it takes intense concentration, not on other runners, but on, on the goal, Right? You keep your sights forward, and you don't worry about what else is going on in the peripheral. You don't worry about who's behind you. You don't worry about anything else that's going on. You just are running towards a goal. You need to be concentrated. When I played baseball as a kid, our baseball coach, he told us, you know, hey, after you hit the ball, just stand there and watch the ball. No, he didn't. It's not what he said. He said, hit the ball, and then don't worry about where the ball went. You get your eyes focused on the base, and you run as hard as you can to the base. And you keep an eye on the coach there. And if he tells you to keep going, you keep going. You're not trying to figure out where the ball is. If you do, that will distract you. It will slow you down. Spiritually speaking, many of us are living our lives through the rearview mirror. We're looking at our past. We've got, we got our eye on the ball, so to speak. And we're being slowed down. We're being hindered by what God wants to do in our lives because of something that happened back that you can't change. You can't do anything about it. Like after I hit the ball, I can't do anything about where the ball went. What I can do is run hard. What I can do is put my head down and I can go. Spiritually speaking, it's the same. You can't change the past, folks. But if all you do is focus on the past, listen, your present will be hindered incredibly. Right? You, where you're living right now, which you, he, Paul says you should be forward thinking, you should be thinking about the, 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 the goal, the end goal, which is to be in the presence of God in heaven. You should be running with everything that you have towards that. Right? But if you're too focused on what's happened on the horizontal and all the failures in your life, listen, you're, you're not going to really get to where you need to be. 
It takes concentration. It takes focus on what is to come, not what has happened. You can't live in the past, folks. That takes, that, that's living in the negative, by the way. It's focusing on the negative. We got we to gotta be protons, not neutrons, or electrons, right? We need to be positive. We need to realize that, yeah, we've made mistakes. To be real, right? But also to know that Christ has overcome everything that we've done. Like we're forgiven. Now, we, we may be sitting, you know, you might be saying, hey, that's easy for you to say because you're not in my situation and I'm dealing with the consequences of my actions from three or four, ten years or twenty years ago. Listen, it's okay. Because God, that doesn't catch God off guard. Here's the reality that he has made a way for you. And, you know, you may be dealing with that currently, that, that situation currently in, in a present way, but listen, there is victory in Christ. And you stand firm and you just keep going. God is using it in your life for a reason. Just like he used all my mistakes to put me where I am and, and now he's allowed, you know, now I, we're all still dealing with some of those negative consequences. But he's using it to refine me. And he's using it to refine you. Listen, you cannot focus on what happened. All you can do is make the best of what, where you are today. And I'm telling you what, it's far better than you're thinking. It's far better than you're thinking. I told you good preachers repeat themselves. Paul says, listen, you need the utmost concentration if you're going to press on. You need to, you need to be concentrated. Thirdly, he goes on to say, to press on requires proper resolution. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Paul's resolution is to press on no matter what. He's not, listen, if anybody's past should be hindering them, it's Paul's. The dude killed people. He killed Christians. He killed, you know, Jesus, when he had that, inner, inner, that collision with Christ on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, Paul, Paul, or he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting them? No. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus Christ asked Paul why he was persecuting Jesus. Because God's people, Jesus stands for God's people. He is, we are his and he is ours. And in that moment, the Apostle Paul probably felt totally ashamed. And he didn't let the shame of what he did, he couldn't change it, but he didn't let the shame hinder him from living out whatever he, he could for the rest of his life to the Lord. And maybe that's why he lived the way that he lived. I don't know. Maybe, the, maybe your past is meant to propel you farther. But Paul was... He had a resolve to press on, again, to strive energetically for some purpose, to strive energetically for Christ. He was committed, and he was hyper-focused on that goal. In our day and age, we would call this person a radical, wouldn't we? Oh, that guy's so radical. He's like, he actually like lives for Jesus. <laughs> wow, what's his problem? He's just so religious, you know? Listen. I mean, the reality is this, folks, is that Christianity in our culture has been watered down to such a degree that we would call somebody that is living out biblical Christianity radical. 
right? If, if you commit your whole life to Christ and you give everything that you have to Christ, you will be considered by even some who call themselves Christians very religious or extremely radical in your faith. And that's okay. Because I would much rather, <laughs> I would much rather be called radical by somebody on the horizontal than be called unfaithful by somebody on the vertical. I would much rather have somebody on the horizontal say, man, you're so radical. Why, are you, why do you live your life like that than to hear God say, man, you had some great opportunities, didn't you? But you didn't convert them. We need to have a resolve to, to live our lives for Christ and Christ alone. We don't need to water down the gospel. We don't need to water down our faith. We don't need to water down the way that we live our lives, folks. We need to stand, and we need to have a resolve that says, I'm going to live for Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 14, verse 33, that he will accept no less from us. He said this, So therefore, if any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. He's speaking just before that about mothers and fathers and, you know, he's saying if there's any other relationship more important to you than my relationship, then listen, you're not worthy. You're not worth being in relationship with because you were dual-minded. He has to be your Lord. He has to be your everything. And when you have that relationship right, listen, you can... Then you can be the husband you're called to be. You can be the wife you're called to be. You can be the father or the mother. You can be the child. You can be the uncle, the aunt, whatever, the friend. You can be the servant. You can be all of those things only if this thing is right. And you can fake it pretty good if that's not right. But listen, wouldn't you rather just be in real relationship with Christ and allow him to change you and transform you to be who you're called to be? Paul says, I, man, I'm focusing on the prize. What is the prize? The prize is perfection. The prize is Christ, that one day we'll be in Christ and we will be just like him. We will know as we are known, folks. We will be just like Jesus. We'll be in his presence forever. We sang that song earlier, you know, better is one day. Are you not longing for that? Do you not long for heaven? Like, do you not wait to put off this body and no longer have the struggles of this thing? You know, wondering in your mind, is this me or is this the Lord? Are my, you know, are my motives compromised? Is it, you know, questioning yourself about all these things, having to examine your heart. But one day, you know that you won't even have to think that way. One day, you won't have to think about wondering if what you're doing is of the Lord or not. You'll be perfect. Man, I long for that day, and that day is coming. That is the prize for us who trust in the Lord. No more struggle, no more pain, no more sorrow. It is the call of God. When he calls you home, then you can go home. It is the upward call of God. He will call you home one day. That is a reality. And listen, if you... The only way that you can come into his presence is if you're in Christ. It's crucial that Paul put that at the very end there, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he said that we press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If you minus the three words at the end there, then it's all about your works. 
Aren't you glad he didn't do that? You got to be in Christ Jesus. Again, we strive, we, we press on, we, we energetically pursue that prize, which is perfection. And Christ makes up the difference. It's in him. It's in right relationship with him that we get to be in the Father's presence. What's your resolution today, Christian? Are you pressing on towards the prize? Are you knowing Christ as intimately as you possibly can? Listen, one day the Lord's going to call you home in the twinkling of an eye. In less than a split second, you will be gone and you will be in his presence. What will he hear? I hope he'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Paul says that we need to be we need to have a resolve. Fifthly, we also, to press on, it requires proper, res, proper uh, maturation, being mature. Look at verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise. God will reveal that also to you. Paul is saying that he's calling to the mature first. And he's asking them to be in agreement. Now, who is the mature? The people that have been, is that the silver-haired people in the group? Is that what he's saying? Hey, the mature people here, you know? No. Is he talking about the people who have been walking with the Lord the longest? No. Who's he talking to? Who are the mature? Listen, maturity in, in, in the Christian faith is not measured by how long you've called yourself a Christian. It's measured by how much you look like Jesus. That's maturity. Paul is saying those of us who are mature, let us think this way. Let this be the way that we live our lives. Let this be our pursuit. Notice what he says, though. For those of you who don't think this way, God will reveal it to you. Isn't this incredibly relief? Give you some relief this morning. God's not asking you to convince somebody to be where you are. Is that amazing? Like, you don't have to uh, go out in the world and say, I need everybody to be like me, okay? If everybody will just get on the same page as I am, then that'll be great. Because, and I love this because this leaves room not only for you to allow the Holy Spirit to work in somebody else's life, but perhaps in your own life. Maybe you're the one that hasn't matured in this area. You know, we can be incredibly mature in some things and we can be immature in other things. Maybe we haven't studied so much about one particular thing. You know, there's lots of different things to study in the Bible. Listen, there's people here that really know, um, you know, end times prophecy very well. Some of you have no idea what that is. And that's okay. It's something you need to brush up on. It's something you need to, you know, you need to get into and understand. It's part of the Bible. But if you make it a discipline in your life to read the Bible, you're going to come across all of these things. But here's the beautiful thing. The only thing that you and I have to be on the same page about is Jesus. The only thing that matters at the end of the day is we need to be on the same page as it relates to Jesus, him in, uh, you know, in, in salvation, that he died for us, that he rose again from the dead for us, and that we are saved by grace through faith. Now, what I'm not saying is don't have a theological conversation with somebody about something that you don't agree on. 
you know, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man to another. It's great to have those conversations. But here's where you drop the conversation. When you start to feel like you're trying to convince them, you know, you let the, you let the Lord. Notice what Paul says here. God will reveal. Can God use you? Absolutely. Be sure it's God. Be sure that God is revealing through you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we can have, like this is, what, this is what has really divided the body of Christ. You know, that, that we as the body have, have allowed the secondary issues to divide us in such a way that we feel like we have to get a whole bunch of new buildings. We have to feel like we have to congregate with our group. And we have to feel like we're doing this or that or whatever. And, you know, listen, there was theological problems, like major theological problems in the early church. Like, Paul came to James, and he's like, dude, what's up with this circumcision thing? Like, do we have to be circumcised? Are we supposed to be circumcised? There were serious theological issues going on in the early church, man. But they didn't let it divide them. And unfortunately, it's the immaturity of Christians who allow these things to, to divide. There is one truth. There is one there, there is one interpretation of Scripture, and I'm pretty sure that none of us have it 100% correct, right? So we need to leave a little room for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives as well as those around us, right? I mean, I tell you right now, you know, there are, there are things that God has changed my own position on. I was listening to Francis Chan the other day. He was saying, you know, I used to never, ever believe in miracles when I came out of seminary and you know, I didn't believe in miracles. I didn't believe that the Holy Spirit was working in that way today. And as I studied the scriptures more and more and more, notice, it wasn't somebody else convinced me, but as I studied the scriptures, God revealed to me that these are for today. And then I believed in this. And so what I'm saying is, is that have the conversation, but be open. It's always important that you read the Bible with your heart open, re relating to your doctrine. You know, Lord, do I have this correct? Am I understanding this right? How else are you going to grow? Lord, let me tell you what this means. You know, uh, I think he could probably tell you better than you can tell him. Yeah? So let's let him do that. Paul, Paul says, you know, we're, we're called to mature in Christ. Mature people, spiritually mature people, understand that, you know what, we have, we, positionally that we are made right before God, but practically speaking, we are on the daily being refined and being made more like Christ. And, and we want to adjust our living and adjust our, 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 our you know, the way that we're, we're receiving from the Lord on a daily basis to make ourselves better, to pursue Christ with everything that we have. Lastly, Paul says, I press on, um, to press on requires proper preservation. Verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. I can summarize this real quick for you. Apply what you know. That's what he's saying. You know, the knowledge that you have should not be laying dormant in your brain somewhere. Like it should be actively being worked out in your life. Now, we do this all the time. There is all kinds of knowledge in your brain right now that is going dormant. Like it's not doing anything. It's not, in fact, for you to know it is really 
not even beneficial because you're not doing anything with it. Right? We, 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 we research and research and research about how to become more healthy and how to, do, you know, how to become more effective and how to do, how to be do this or that or whatever. And, and you know what? Of course, when we're gung-ho and we're ready to do it, you know, we're going to apply it right away and we're like, yeah, look, and you start to see results and everything. You're like, oh, man, this is awesome. But one day you wake up and you go, yeah, I don't really want to do that right now. I think I want to do this instead. And you stop applying, and before you know it, everything that you have attained is completely lost. You, you lost five pounds, but you gained ten back, right? You, you, you were going for the promotion. Now you're demoted, right? You, you stopped applying the knowledge, and all of a sudden, you started sliding backwards. That's the way it works spiritually. If you're not applying the knowledge that you have currently, here's what the Lord would say to you, just as he said to the church of Ephesus. Remember where you've fallen. Repent. And go back and do the first works. He, he would call us to a place of going, okay, what's going on in my life? A self-examination. He would say, man, remember how it was with you and the Lord? Remember how, how intimate it was? Remember how, how powerful he was moving in your life? Repent and, and go back and do that, whatever you were doing. Just apply the knowledge that you have. And then seek more. And grow more. And gain more and then repeat, right? Then you just repeat it. You just apply it and do it. Keep going. <laughs> Sometimes what we do is we start researching something new. We totally forget about everything else. Don't do that. You need to preserve the truth that you know. Here's the truth. Jesus Christ died for you. He rose again from the dead for you. You're saved by him. And you ought to make your whole life, everything that you are, a pursuit of him, of knowing him more and more and more. You know, in, uh, in the Swiss Alps, there is a, there's a mountain. I don't know what one it is. But, but at the bottom of that mountain, there is a placard of a man. It was in, in honor of a guy who, who uh, um, it, says, it says his name. And then it says he died climbing. On the mountain of God as you are ascending to that prize, there ought to be a placard with your name at the foot of the mountain that says, he died climbing. Listen, if you're not pursuing the Lord today, if you have allowed yourself to slip into this, you know, this, this place of complacency, you're not growing in the Lord, you're kind of just waiting for the bus to come pick you up, you know, Listen, God, is, God has given you a word today, and it's called press on. He's asking you to press on. He wants his church, he wants his church to be as powerful as it was the day that he, he instituted it, right? So here's the thing is you are the church. It starts with you, folks. You want to see God move in your life? Just start spending time with Jesus. Just get on your knees, you know, there, there's fundamental things that we can do that we all know, but we probably don't spend enough time doing. Read your Bible. Make sure you're in the Word. Get in the Word as much as you possibly can. A five-minute devotion is something, but if you can do more, do more. 
pray. Make sure you're in prayer, folks. Make sure that you are bowing the knee before the Lord and that you are, you are just communing with Him in prayer. You can fast. If you find yourself powerless in, in areas of your life and you want to die to the flesh and you want to say, God, I need power from you, you fast. You deny yourself. And to fast really means, oh, like, I'm not going to do social media. That's not biblical fasting, by the way. You can do that, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying you want to know what biblical fasting is? You don't eat. Biblical fasting is to, to deny your flesh of food. Deny your flesh of food. You want to receive power from the Lord? Fast. The Lord said, and when you fast. It ought to be something that we do in our lives. Commune with other brothers and sisters. Make sure that you stay in fellowship as frequently as you can. Listen, we can all connect better. We can all, you know, connect with each other during the week. We can get together for lunch. You know, it doesn't have to be like this. And in fact, we set up a place next door that's open 7 to 3 Monday through Saturday. This isn't a plug, but that's the purpose. The purpose is that you would come commune with each other. You would gain relationship, deeper relationship with each other. Listen, there's something about Jesus in you that I need to know. And there's something about Jesus in me that you need to know. We're never going to know if we don't spend time together. These are very simple things that you can do. Paul gives us six prerequisites, six things that if we will do these things, we will press on towards the prize, and you will not find yourself in a place of complacency. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We are so grateful, Lord, that you would constantly remind us of the basics, that we would pursue you with everything that we have all the days of our lives. God, I pray right now that you would fill this room with people that, that have the spirit of Joshua. It tells us in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, that when Moses went from the tent of meeting to meet with the people, that Joshua would not leave your presence. Would you help us to be those kind of people, Lord? That we don't want to leave your presence. That we want to be, that we want to meet with you in continual seeking, Lord. To grow deeper in our faith with you, God. Lord, there are some here this morning that you have stepped on their toes. And they know it. But Lord, you didn't do it because you wanted to hurt them. You want to help. You want them to be, you want them to realize all that they have in Christ. For some, it's salvation, Lord. They've never really called upon you, given their heart to you. They're not in right relationship with you. It's a religious thing. They need to call upon your name to be saved, Lord. For others, God, we have slipped into a place of just living for us. You reminded us this morning that we need to get back in right, right relationship, Lord, that we need to be in right pursuance, that we need to have the right focus and concentration and resolution, Lord. And so we want to humble ourselves before you this morning. 
confess our sin and turn back to you today, Lord. As we're preparing for communion, that there would be that heart of repentance in this place this morning. And that we would be reminded of the blood of Christ that it's not what we do, but it's what he's done. And that brings joy to our heart, Lord. Help us to repent this morning if, there's, if you've spoken to us this morning about these things. As we continue to pray, if there's anyone here this morning that's not in right relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity right now to make him the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never declared before anyone before that he is your king. And you want to do that today. You want to be forgiven for your sin. You want to be you want to know that if you die today, you'll go to heaven. If that's you this morning, I just want to lift your hand up and I want to pray for you. Is there anyone here this morning that needs to be in right relationship with Jesus? Just lift your hand up. God is here. He is drawing you. Anyone at all? And God bless you. Is there anyone else this morning that needs to be in right relationship with Christ? Listen, this is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And God will put you on a path to produce fruit beyond anything you could imagine. One last call. Anyone here? Anyone else? God bless you. Just lift your hand. If you're listening on the radio, you're online, you too. Just lift your hand up to the Lord. He sees you. He knows. He wants to forgive you. For those of you who raised your hand this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. This is a prayer of faith that God would just come into your heart, that he would forgive you, that you would crown him the king of your life. So if you would say this prayer after me in just your own heart, Father, I come in Jesus' name, confessing my need for him this morning. I am a sinner. I have not Live the way that I ought to live, God. But I want to declare this morning that your life is, my life is yours. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I believe that he died and that he rose again from the dead for me personally. And I'm putting all my hope in him this morning. I receive your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.